Hello, hello, and welcome to Xena Made Me Gay. I'm Chris. I'm Alice. And today we're talking about uh, episode eight of season one. The episode is called Prometheus. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what uh, legendary figure is going to be featured in this episode. <laughs> unclear, unclear. Could be anyone. <laughs> Actually, there's going to be several. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They it, it they really went all out in this episode in terms of making sure they mention all of the ancient Greek and Roman gods. <laughs> Sometimes a mixture of those. Yeah. <laughs> In the times of brick phones, tamagotchis, and curtain bangs, the 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. But before we get to the episode, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the cultural milestone that we're about to reach this week. So when this episode is published, that's probably already going to be in the past, but we're recording this the week of the Barbie premiere. Yay. Which, <laughs> yes, yes. I, do, I don't know about, uh, about you, but um, I'm so excited i'm already planning out my outfit in my head uh, that i'm gonna wear to to the screening and i'm going to a screening um during an event called mungay oh a weekly screening of a queer film uh that happens in one of the berlin cinemas uh this, this time it's not going to be on monday which is a little bit counterintuitive, but <laughs> usually it's Mondays. But uh, they they made an exception for for this Barbie screening, and I am uh, extremely excited to to see Barbie in a room of screaming homosexuals. Yes, I'm so jealous. I was supposed to go there and join Chris, but stupidly I fractured fractured my foot. So I'm staying home and hopefully I'll be able to find some sort of movie theater that accommodates people on crutches <laughs> to to see the premiere a little bit later. But I'm also really excited. I have my Barbie nail polish on. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. It's a it's a very pretty, uh, shiny pink. Iridescent pink. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, but we're not just talking about Barbie because we're extremely excited for the premiere. I mean, that, yes, there's that, but also there is a connection from Barbie to Xena. Uh, <laughs> wanna, wanna tell us what it is? Yeah, so young, strapping Ryan Gosling, who plays Ken in the Barbie movie, <laughs> plays young Hercules in the TV series, Young Hercules, uh, literally. So he is like the younger version of the character Kevin Sorbo, which means that people can get 
weirder with age according to the producers of the show <laughs> but yeah and that's the the same franchise so it's not a separate series it's it's a prequel to hercules the legendary journeys also produced by robert tuppert Liz friedman and other uh creative geniuses behind the series so yeah yeah and we're actually gonna see hercules in in this episode much to our disappointment, I think. <laughs> well, to our amusement, we have we have a particular love hate relationship with Kevin Sorbo's acting and his personality. Yeah. Uh, yes, his general existence in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what I wanted to talk about, maybe in connection to Ryan Gosling, who starred as Young Hercules and then became this movie star, is other famous actors that came out of Xena Warrior Princess franchise. Like, I don't know if there are more than um, Ryan Gosling and Carl Ur Urban. Carl, Carl Urban. How do Urban. you say his name? Carl, Carl Urban. And Carl Urban, who played Caesar, Cupid, and a bunch of minor roles on uh, Hercules the Legendary Journeys and Xena Warrior Princess, and then of course uh, came to star in Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, and now he's the star of his own uh, series, The Boys. I was wondering whether you remember anyone else who kind of became more famous, or is it only those two? So I don't remember anyone, but of course I have Wikipedia open. Okay. So I I went I went there, <laughs> <laughs> and I can see actually. Funny that you mentioned the boys, that Anthony Starr, who plays Homelander in the boys, makes an appearance in Xena. Wow! <laughs> in one of the episodes, as David. On the, I guess in the episode where he fights Goliath. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That is impressive. That is really exciting. <laughs> I'm going to watch out for that episode now. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, other than that, I'm scrolling through the others. I mean, Gina Torres, who's who's pretty, pretty famous, appears in... Yes, yes, she appears as Cleopatra. I can see that. And anyway, so the, the Wikipedia page for the list of characters in Hercules, The Legendary Journeys and Xena, Warrior Princess, has um, all the characters split up in groups of main characters, the Amazons, mortals, gods, demigods, titans, mythological creatures, and there's an adorable category court called Modern Mortals <laughs> for all of those episodes that we're gonna see. Jumping that, in time. That take place in the modern world. Oh my god, it's it's amazing. Just looking at the descriptions of those of those characters, they're um, an archaeology, uh, an archaeologist in the forties, a writer at Renaissance Pictures, <laughs> the actor that portrays Hercules and is secretly the real, the real Hercules, which he conceals from his fellow workers as he keeps quoting, "I'm just an actor." I remember that episode of Hercules, and I actually really did enjoy that Hercules. 
since it's the same creators, it's like when the story is not focused around Hercules, it's quite fun. And I, I remember that there was a very, a very cool storyline with Ares, I think, interfering with the show. <laughs> and I remember there was like uh, the actor, quote unquote, actor who play, played Hercules. At the end, he says to Ares, I think, have your people call my people. We'll do lunch. <laughs> that's that's adorable and the last bit that i will read out from the modern wordle section is there's a character annie day who's portrayed by lucy lawless and the description of the character is the following thought herself to be the reincarnation of xena but was actually a reincarnation of joxer the mighty nice coming up <laughs> coming up in one of the episodes that we will watch and tell you everything about oh we will for sure i think at some point the producers and screenwriters got a little bit short for inspiration of what could happen in the main storyline and they started creating those new ones with hercules i remember like every season it had some sort of shenanigans like that. Either it's like a jump in time or they turn him into an animal or something else happens that is completely ridiculous. But we don't need to concern ourselves with all of that. What we need to concern ourselves today is episode eight, Prometheus. Yes. And uh, we open the episode with some unknown creepy guys crawling through the woods and they're trying to sneak up on the sleeping Gabrielle and Xena. One of them actually makes it all the way to Xena, who's sleeping on the ground, swings his sword and brings it down on her. He says, I killed Xena, warrior princess. <laughs> Except he then realizes it's not Xena. It's a watermelon <laughs> with a black, wig on it i'm not kidding nope this it's a watermelon with a black wig on it this is literally what happens we fall into the territory of benny hill once once again yeah yeah i what the hell <laughs> um immediately after he discovers that he didn't kill xena warrior princess but just chopped up a watermelon. Uh, Xena jumps on top of him from the top of a tree, uh, kicking the guy in the face on her way down. She kicks all of the thugs' asses. She screams while doing it, doing her signature chanting. All while this is happening, Gabrielle does not wake up. Just another day. Is she in a coma? Like, what's happening? I think that they wanted to stress that at this point it's normal for Xena and Gabrielle. Mm. But I don't know. It's it's interesting because usually the tone of the episode is set up from the beginning. And if it's going to be a serious-ish episode, um, we're getting a serious-ish opening scene. But here, it is going to be a serious-ish episode. There are going to be some life-and-death situations and like the mission is going to be super important but for some reason we get this super comical opening scene yeah yeah completely completely hilarious in how unrealistic 
It is. Which generally applies to Xena, but here they up the ante in terms of <laughs> how unrealistic it is. Xena then notices that during the fight, one of the thugs got stabbed in the throat with a dagger. By his own partner in crime, no less. Oh, yeah? Okay. That I missed. Um, but anyway, so he got stabbed in the throat, and that dagger is still sticking out of his throat while his while he's on the ground choking on his own blood. And for some reason, Xena tells the guy that she can still save his life. Like, how? He's clearly <laughs> gonna die in, like, the next five minutes. No, but, but the medicine in ancient Greece is very advanced. <laughs> Especially if Xena is doing the treating. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. The only thing that I can add here plot-wise, is that the thug that Xena is trying to save who is lying on the ground with a dagger in his throat appears to be wearing braces. I have paused this scene multiple times. It may be just they wanted to kind of fuck up his teeth for them to seem rotten, but there's clearly something on his teeth that looks like braces. But on the other hand, if we can save people that have been stabbed in the throat in the field, Maybe dental work is available in ancient Greece. And at this point, then I understand the bounty hunting and the feeling. I bet the dental work there is also expensive. Oh, <laughs> that's great. I did not, I did not notice that, but I love that theory. <laughs> so um, after telling the guy that she can save him, no, no problem. Zena calls for Gabrielle, who sort of kind of responds, but clearly goes back to sleep immediately, like she's not bothered. Um, and look, I myself usually take a while to wake up, but this is just next level stuff. <laughs> anyway, somehow Zena convinces Gabrielle that it's kind of an emergency. Um, and she asks Gabrielle to bring her a small knife to make a new breathing hole in the guy's throat because his windpipe has been severed. Which I look, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't <laughs> my my knowledge of of windpipes is actually pretty restricted to what I've seen on TV. <laughs> but it is my understanding that if a windpipe has been severed. That means that there's an extra hole, not that there's a lack of holes. I, I don't understand how this is supposed to work, you know? Like, sure. But also, like, regardless of, of this whole question, the guy is going to bleed out, right? Like, he, he has a dagger stuck in his throat. Even if he can still breathe through an extra hole. The blood is still gushing out, yes. Yes, and he's gonna lose so much blood, he's gonna die! I don't... I don't understand, but okay. Zina doesn't seem to think so. She seems very convinced that she can save the guy, and that she needs to save this particular guy for some reason. She takes care of the guy's wound, and Gabrielle marvels at the fact that Zina tries to save him, and in her Gabrielle fashion, she says, well, so you are a good person, Xena. And Xena says, thanks, and then kicks another awakened bounty hunter down again. <laughs> that was a nice scene. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, so then we 
cut to a different scene. It's nighttime. And Xena, Gabrielle, and the throat injury guy, still alive for some reason, who's still alive, are hanging out together in an inn while a storm is gathering outside. Yeah, I really love how the innkeeper looks out the window at the storm and says, hmm, gods are really mixing it up tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We then get a glimpse of some other place where there is this naked guy (laughs) who is laying on a rock while um, sentient chains crawl towards his wrists and ankles and clasp themselves around them. At the same time, we see that the throat injury guy suddenly starts choking and dies, which makes perfect sense to me, (laughs) except that it didn't happen even earlier. But Xena is baffled. She, She says, it doesn't make sense. I've used this technique before. It's never failed. Yeah, all the guys with holes in their throat uh, that Xena helped with this amazing techniques. They all lived and none of them died either from blood loss or from infections. No, no. It, Xena absolutely beats modern medicine in terms of her <laughs> success rate. Um. <laughs> anyway, immediately after the throat injury guy dies, some other sickly looking old dude behind Xena coughs and then literally falls out of the chair and dies. It's an active death. Yeah, yeah, it's um, very dramatic. <laughs> I don't know whether uh, y'all have seen the, the third Nolan Batman movie, but there is a, a death scene of um, the character played by Marion Cotillard. Mm-hmm. And she has this very dramatic death scene where she's like, she says something and then she's like, get. <laughs> so imagine that scene times hundred. <laughs> and this is, this is kind of how, how this guy dies. That actor, that extra really worked for his money. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. So we then finally get to see the face of the chained up guy. And he's this buff, bald dude. And he screams in anger or agony or a mixture of both. It's it's unclear. Um, And it's so loud that Zena, Gabrielle and the innkeeper all can hear it. So Zena explains to them that what they just heard are the screams of Prometheus. And I'm kind of curious why Zena knows that and the other two don't, why she has this extra bit of information. At that point, it's unclear. Gabrielle then does some exposition and tells us that according to the bards, if Prometheus is ever captured by the gods, the humans will start losing the gifts that he gave them. And she says gifts. Um, I don't know how many gifts were there. I'm only aware of the fire. Yeah, so according to Wikipedia, besides fire, he taught people writing, mathematics, agriculture, medicine, and science. So watch out, Gabrielle. Like, one of the gifts is pretty important to you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Um, 
maybe they could have used this uh, as an excuse to have bad writing. This episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Prometheus's gift never returned to me, but I'm still trying. Oh. <laughs> So then we find out a bit more about why Xena knew about uh, Prometheus. Uh, we see her and Gabrielle walk somewhere together the next day. And Xena says that a friend told mm -hmm. her to go to a particular oracle in case that Prometheus is ever captured. And oh no! <laughs> As Cena says this, we see the intro title say that Kevin Sorbo is guest starring as Hercules in this episode. Brace, brace. We're about to experience the all-American, I mean, all-Asian-Grecian hero. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's going to be an experience that we're all going <laughs> to share. <laughs> and bond over this common source of trauma. Anyway, so uh, Zina and Gabrielle arrive to this oracle place, which looks like a temple to me. Zina tells Gabrielle to leave if she's not back by nightfall. That's a pattern already. Yeah, it's, it's something <laughs> that, that Zina does a lot. Inside of this temple, like, building we see three ladies dancing very energetically and they're kind of roma coated so they're wearing headscarves gold jewelry they have long curly black hair and one of them jumps in front of xena and asks what will you give i love that there's a complete lack of small talk in this world mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. there there's never anyone saying hello who are you? I'm such and such. We go straight to the to the point. Um, but on the other hand, she's an oracle, so maybe she just knows. It's like in one of my favorite Disney cartoons, Hercules. Hades comes to the fates, who know everything, <laughs> and he keeps trying to expositionally explain them to things, and they're like, "We know," and he's like, "I know. You know. I got it. I got the concept." Oh, <laughs> that yes, the the cartoon is obviously far superior to the live action series, even though oh God. Yeah. Lindsay Ellis had quite a few opinions about it. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care that the plot does not line up. It has one of the greatest Disney villains, one of the greatest Disney female characters. If you haven't watched Hercules the Disney animated film, go watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Anyway, so the Oracle asks Xena, what will you give? And Xena's like, huh? And then the Oracle elaborates that it can be a lock of hair, a fingernail, a finger. And Xena's like, huh? And the Oracle is like, well, you want to free Prometheus, don't you? What will you give, bitch? Am I not being clear? <laughs> um, and Xenia's like, ah, okay. Uh, I mean, sure, I'll give my life if I have to. And the Oracle is like, super, that works. So the Oracle then leads Xena to this giant crocodile head, I guess, uh, <laughs> with really, really large, sharp teeth 
maybe the head is like five times the the size of a normal crocodile head. Yeah, I have a thing to say about crocodile heads. Yes, tell us. <laughs> um, so um, I live in Vienna right now. It's a gorgeous city and it has a lot of statues. And I often am near the Schloss Belvedere palace. It's a very beautiful palace with like lots of fountains. And I noticed that nearly every fountain has a violent theme. So if either someone is killing someone or someone is eating someone. So there are a lot of crocodiles in those fountains. And it's very funny how you could see in those crocodiles that the sculpture never seen a live crocodile just someone told him more or less what crocodiles look like <laughs> and from hearsay he made this crocodile which is very cute because it's not quite right so that crocodile head kind of reminded me of that because i'm sure that the prop guy seen a crocodile but still it was like uh, approximate the idea of a crocodile <laughs> nice yeah um, so the oracle opens the crocodile's mouth by pulling on a rope, then she ties the rope and puts a candle under the rope so that the fire kind of slowly eats at it, eventually making the rope snap and thus shutting the crocodile's mouth. And inside the mouth, there is this whole ass hallway, seems like. And the Oracle tells Xena that she needs to pull on the chain inside the mouth to get a tablet which holds a key and also that she's not allowed to interfere with the flame. So um, Xena hesitates for quite a while, even though this seems like a super time sensitive task with a candle being right underneath the rope this whole time. Eventually, Xena starts pulling on the chain, and it's clearly very, very heavy. She manages to pull out the tablet at the last second. Actually, it's so last moment that the tablet gets completely shattered by the mouth clasping back together. And yeah. the Oracle is impressed that Xena was willing to lose a hand by staying inside the, the crocodile mouth until the last moment. Yeah. But then she also mentions that the tablet actually didn't say anything important, and Zena is understandably pissed off. I understand Zena very well at the situation. I get pissed off every time there is this, let's test your resolve by giving you a challenge in fantasy genre. Dudes, we do not sign up for free therapizing or character tests. Let's just get on with the plot. Like, let's not do this challenge thingies especially at like, like here pointless challenge thingies because there was nothing on the table that was important mm -hmm. yeah and the oracle is like fine fine i'll tell you something useful so <laughs> she tells xena to go to vulcan mountain and enter the cave of hephaestus <laughs> which is which is funny because vulcan is literally the roman version of hephaestus it's like as if Aphrodite lived in the Venus garden. <laughs> yeah. To get some ice cream, you have to go to Ice Cream Street and enter the gelato house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, anyway, Xena needs to find a special sword there, which is the only thing that can break the chains that bind Prometheus. We have the MacGuffin of the episode. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> and Xena's like, cool, yep, we'll do that. And then the Oracle tells Xena that the warriors loyal to the Temp of Hera will try to stop her. Sure, Hera is also involved. Uh, it seems like we're getting like the full Olympic party this episode. <laughs> yeah. And the Oracle tells Xena one more thing about the sword, but we cut away. So it remains a mystery. Ooh, wonder what could it be? But I'm very excited about the Olympic party plot. Uh, also, as far as I remember, Hera is a prominent villain in the Hercules series, much like Callisto is in Xena's. So we basically we're entering in Hercules universe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Zena comes back to Gabrielle, who says she was not worried because Zena always comes through. So she was just waiting for Zena to, to get back. Aww. But Zena asks Gabrielle what she would actually do if it happens one day that Zena does not come through. <sighs> and Gabrielle... <laughs> And Gabrielle answers that she would become a traveling bard and maybe study at the Athens Academy first. Yeah, again, Xena is not a very good girlfriend for someone with anxiety, I would imagine, because every time she's like, if something happens to me, run. And why do I say that? No reason, you know, just just in case. Maybe something can happen to me and just, you know, you go, you take care of yourself. It's very infuriating this time I watched it. I, I didn't pay attention to that the first time or like the first couple of times where I was watching the series but now like poor Gabrielle thank the gods she's not as anxious as and nervous as me for example oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Zina and Gabrielle um keep walking towards um the Vulcan mountain and uh Gabrielle gets dragged into a gift shop by some random shopkeeper and Xena mildly threatens him to find out the way to the cave of Hephaestus. It's it's a weird choice to include that guy. <laughs> he's uh he's there. <laughs> He serves no purpose other than the providing a place where characters meet. Yeah, he also has a non-native accent, which I assume the actor put on for this role. Like, it, it sounds like a faked accent. Because normally everyone in the series has this generic North American accent, regardless where they're actually from. So Lucy Lawless is um, a Kiwi. Um, but she she puts on a North American accent. So does everyone. Kevin Sorbo obviously is is American, and this shopkeeper just randomly has a non-native accent. No idea why. But that's interesting. Like if everyone has a North American accent, so I assume that that's Greek. So the guy yes. who is he supposed? He's definitely not Roman. Is he Persian? Yeah. Who's he supposed to be in this world? I don't know. Useless. Anyway, Xena leaves Gabrielle in the shop without any proper explanation. She just leaves. <laughs> yeah, and Gabrielle stays to look at the fake memorabilia from the Vulcan mountain. 
I enjoy those little snippets of everyday life just randomly appearing in Xena's universe. Yeah, I think that shopkeeper that we were talking about is also a prominent character on Hercules. He's there often for comic relief, and I think that he fights Salmonius, who we're going to meet a little bit later, for the comic relief role. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Okay, okay. Meanwhile, uh, Prometheus has a telepathic conversation with Hera. And in this, Hera is just a pair of eyes in the sky. Yeah, I kind of like the fact that Hera's eyes have peacock feathers for pupils. I think that's hmm. a nice detail for an impressive villain. And it also is is pretty cheap to make, but it makes a statement. But yeah, uh, I was also baffled by the fact that Prometheus needs to talk telepathically. Why? To make it more significant? the actor's speaking was bad i wonder what what's behind this so xena walks into some building and random guys start attacking her mm -hmm. they also grunt at her like animals like like they can't speak nobody can speak nobody can speak in this episode <laughs> <laughs> we don't know why um there are also a lot of these Indiana Jones style traps in this yeah. building, like spikes that suddenly come out of the floor, and then Xena kind of jumps in time to evade them, and it's the random attackers that get pierced uh, by those uh, by those spikes. There's also a tripwire that sets off this ginormous hammer that swings at you, which obviously <laughs> Xena ducks and the attackers don't. And then finally, the the floor collapses under Zeta and she falls into a lower level, which is conveniently where they keep the sword. So thanks. <laughs> it's it's really weird. She just takes it and exits. Zena walks out with the sword and ta-da! She runs into Hercules, who tells her to give him the sword. Mm-hmm. Zena's ready to fight, and he's like, ugh. <laughs> he's, not, he's not in the mood. Uh, but they do fight for a bit, and then Hercules says that he can't let her do this. Uh -huh. And also that he doesn't want to fight because a scratch could kill Zena while Prometheus is captured because people can't heal themselves anymore. And it's kind of bold of him to assume that he would be able to even scratch her. Uh-huh. Fuck you, Hercules. <laughs> um, so Xena somersaults onto her horse and rides away. With a sword. With a sword. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the points that I was making in the previous episodes. Xena loves to fight and she finds it joyful. Here we can see that Herc is condescendingly assuming that he's better that, than anyone else by default. So he finds no pleasure in fighting, it seems. Also, yeah, I'd bet on Xena when those two fight seriously. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the gift shop, Gabrielle keeps checking out the shitty merch. <laughs> um, but then Iolas walks in 
So Ayala's uh, was Hercules's uh, sidekick, and um, in Hercules: The Legendary Journeys. Yeah. So I wasn't really aware of it as a kid, I think. But Iolas basically wears an open vest on his bare chest, and that's mm-hmm. it. So like he walks around half naked <laughs> with his smooth shaven chest always out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, Iolas says that he's looking for his friend, who he says is. A, tall, B, has broad shoulders, and then with a shrug, he adds, is very handsome. What does this shrug signify? I would assume it signifies the thousands of gay fanfiction pages written about those two. (laughs) Because Mm. that was one of the reasons, actually, that when I was watching Xena for the first time, and I already had access to internet. I was not convinced that Zena and Gabrielle were together because it was the era where every piece of media was looked upon through subtext. So there were gay fanfiction about Hercules and Eolas, uh, gay fanfiction about Harry Potter, gay fanfiction about Lord of the Rings, and like everything, everything, everything. So I kind of assumed that with Zena is just one of those things. But of course, now when I'm watching, I'm convinced that, no, no, the the creators of the show knew what they were doing. But yeah, mm. it's a weird thing to say about your best friend coming back to Iolas. So it just seems to me that sometimes he behaves more like Herc's agent, not his friend. Yes, yes. I think that's actually a great way to describe their relationship. And we're going to see more of that in this in this episode. Mm-hmm. So as soon as Iolas says very handsome, the shopkeeper immediately understands that Iolas means Hercules. Sure. And, <laughs> and Gabrielle is immediately interested in how well Iolas knows Hercules and what it's like to be friends with him. In response to that, Iolas gives Gabrielle these sexy eyes, but mm. she's clearly just interested in the information. And Iolas is like, well, I'm not intimidated by him. I actually also do cool shit. And Gabrielle's like, wow, I also want to do cool shit. (laughs) Um, And then Xena walks in. Yeah, and I like how Gabby is like, oh, here's the chick that I want to do cool shit with. And uh, she notices that Xena and Iolas know each other. And uh, Xena briefly states, we have a history, which, of course, in ancient Greece is code for we used to fuck. (laughs) Yeah. And so let me ask you, do you remember Xena's origin story? Like, how exactly does she know Aeolus? I don't. Tell us. Yeah. So I rewatched a couple of episodes of Hercules, the Legendary Journeys, where Xena appears. So Xena wanted either to kill Hercules or she wanted to use Hercules for something. But anyway, to do that, she makes Aeolus fall in love with her. Aeolus is very serious about it. And he even is about to face Hercules. At some point, Aeolus and Hercules fight because Aeolus is like, what the fuck? This is my woman. (laughs) You cannot interfere, Hercules. (laughs) Uh, yeah, and uh, 
a bunch of things happen, but at some point, Xena's army is raiding a village and they are about to kill like a newborn infant, a little baby. And Xena saves the little baby and her army kind of sees that as the point of weakness. And she leaves her army through like a series of dramatic episodes. So yeah, at some point she kind of hooks up with Hercules who teaches her the good ways and how to leave the Republican party. But Iolas understandably is a little suspicious of Xena, quote unquote, a little and a little mad at her. So it's the first time they meet after this whole episode. Oh, wow. That's, yep. that's a lot of drama. Yep. But coming back to this particular episode, as Xena walks out, the shopkeeper is like, is anyone going to buy anything? Oh, <laughs> I, found, I found that a cute detail. Yeah, yeah, I guess things are not going too well for his business. No. He, he even tries to sell some roofie juice to Aeolus. <laughs> uh, but Aeolus walks out. So Hercules and Iolas walk and talk about why Hercules is trying to stop Xena. And oh my God, it's so painful to watch because yeah. of Kevin Sorbo's acting. It just, it's, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. Um, but anyway, Hercules refuses to, to tell Iolas. Yeah, well, let's leave the shitty acting by Kevin Sorbo aside for a moment and just look at the scene between the two characters, it seems to be that it's hard to be Herc's boyfriend also, because he doesn't know how to use his words. Like, the only explanation that he gives is like, I just can't, okay? I can't. And like, because Kevin Sorbo's acting is um, very um, specific, <laughs> we kind of don't believe him when he tells that. Yeah. Oh, dear. Then Gabrielle asks Xena whether she thinks Iolas is still in love with her. Mm -hmm. And Xena answers that the love turned to hate for a while. And now Xena is unsure how he feels about her. And then there's this lovely bit of dialogue between them where Gabrielle asks, and what about Hercules? And Xena's like, what about him? <laughs> <laughs> Xena's correct. Yep. Then the random attackers appear again and Xena fights them while Gabrielle kind of lives vicariously through her while hiding. Yeah. And then Hercules and Iolas randomly appear and they all randomly fight the random attackers together randomly. <laughs> At some point, someone makes the sound of a dog chew toy? I don't <laughs> understand what that was, but it's, you know, there's like, <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a, like a squishy toy. Aww. <laughs> um, one of the random attackers takes the magic sword at one point, swings at Hercules, and Hercules blocks the sword with his adamantium gauntlet. Mm hmm. Which makes the random attacker look like he's kind of electrocuted and he turns into a bunch of ashes. And Iolas does some 
exposition for us, explaining that Hercules' gauntlets are made by Hephaestus from the same adamantium that he used for the chains that bind Prometheus. And then I guess the secret is out that if you if you cut those chains with the sword, you die. Uh-huh. And that's it. And then Gabriel kind of suggests that Hercules and Xena work together. It's not decided who strikes the blow. But Gabriel seems super chill about it. Like for now. There's there's no moment of like, oh shit, someone's gonna die. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, 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 just just work together. And and then but then someone needs to die. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. It's it's weird that there is no emotional reaction to that. Then Gabrielle introduces herself to Hercules and she wants to ask him some questions about his labors. But Hercules suggests that she just ask Iolas instead because he knows everything and Iolas loves to hear himself talk. Like, best friends my ass! Yeah. It's just such, such an asshole way to, to treat your best friend. And, and I agree, this is another instance where it seems like Iolas is more like his agent mm -hmm. than a real human person that he shares his life with. And then we find out that Iolas actually got pretty seriously wounded in the fight. Yeah, poor Iolas. Like, it really is my theory that Herc here is just the representative of everything that we quote-unquote love and adore about toxic masculinity, including the desire to put down his friends and have dick-sized competitions about who's cooler, because a lot of the times it happens in series, like, the creators and the screenwriters want to portray someone as very chilled and just a good guy but like since just a good guy is not a personality <laughs> it's very bland it begins to fill we begin to fill the cracks with little things that we notice about an actor for example and since kevin sorbo has a charm of a toaster we kind of Hey, there are some really charming toasters out there. How dare you? <laughs> sorry about I'm sorry to all the toasters. Um, but also it's very funny coming back to the episode how those two Xena and Hercules decide uh, about who strikes the blow. The the dynamics are very much about how the bickering in families sometimes happen. Like uh Xena also agrees that we they need to work together. And she says, all right, but it's still not decided who breaks the chains. And her goes, it is as far as I'm concerned. And Xena goes, we'll see. So Xena smiles and she seems, seems chill about it. And Herc might as well be saying, quiet woman. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. Which might be, again, uh, not Hercules, but Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't hear about us or our podcast for a while, just know that we got a cease and desist from Kevin Sorbo's people. <laughs> Again, everything we say in this episode is for entertaining entertainment purposes only as and is alleged. We don't know Kevin Sorbo's personality. Maybe he's just a nice guy. Wink, wink. <laughs> So Hercules and Xena then chat about how it's great that Xena has left the Republican Party <laughs> and they then continue arguing about which one of them should die. 
Then they make it into the caves and Gabrielle notices that Aeolus is injured, but he refuses the help and also doesn't want to stay behind and rest because of reasons. There are more Indiana Jonesy traps with falling rocks and boulders. And immediately after they evade those rocks, uh, Gabrielle rats on Aeolus and tells everyone that he's wounded. Mm-hmm. And also it becomes really clear that Aeolus can't continue because like he's becoming weak too quickly. Mm-hmm. And Gabrielle offers to stay behind with him. And so the idea is that Gabrielle and Aeolus stay behind and Hercules and Xena continue and one of them breaks the chains and meaning that they die. So they need to say goodbye because one of them isn't coming back, right? Mm-hmm. And then Hercules and Aeolus have this most pathetic, <laughs> stunted goodbye while Xena and Gabrielle gaze into each other's eyes and hold hands. Yeah, yeah, you could really see in this scene, first of all, the two actresses that are pretty much superior to the two actors and the acting style in general in Xena Warrior Princess is a a few notches up, I would say, from Hercules, the legendary journeys. But it's also an interesting dynamic if we just think of the characters, because Aeolus says Hercules goodbye, and I'm not sure what he means by that. Either the fact that Aeolus is wounded and he's going to die before someone breaks the chains and he, like, just saying goodbye to Hercules, or he thinks that Herc is the one to strike the blow and is on a suicide mission. But anyway, yeah, there, there's like there's this very masculine like bye, bro, bye. Like <laughs> the level of emotions is pretty much that. And Gabby, I like that Gabrielle point blank blankly asks Zena, "Don't strike the blow." Should she? She doesn't have this moral dilemma. She doesn't want her friend to die. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's Hercules and he's a hero and like we need to do something about Prometheus and save all the people. But she just really doesn't want to lose her friend. And I think that those dynamics between characters uh, tell us a lot about the characters. Xena and Hercules keep walking and Xena tells him that he changed her life. And Hercules is like, oh yeah, well, I'm really into you. And Xena's like, oh, okay, sure. And then she kisses him as a way to get the sword, but Hercules doesn't let her. Yeah, I really like this scene. I like Xena being sneaky and using her powers and her skills to get what she wants. On the other hand, Hercules have the chemistry of a vacuum cleaner, and I know that you're going to come to the defense of the vacuum cleaners. Look, some vacuum cleaners are really, really charming. <laughs> Sorry to all the vacuum cleaners. And I would cleaners. much rather kiss them. <laughs> same, same. But yeah, it's not much of a kiss, uh, but I really liked how Xena is trying to seize the moment. Right. So meanwhile, Aeolus asks Gabrielle to tell Xena if he dies that there are no hard feelings. And then Gabrielle wonders what Xena sees in her. And Aeolus is like, no, I I see it too. I see your pure heart. Ew. 
Eh, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, it, we could see that I always wanted to come on to Gabriel from the minute he saw her, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, we noticed that the gift of fire is gone because all the torches go out. Da -da -da mathematics is next. I repeat, <laughs> mathematics is next. <laughs> we cannot come to school today. The gift of, gift of mathematics is gone. Zena and Hercules almost reach their destination, at which point Zena tells him that Gabrielle wants to go to a bard academy in Athens and that he should make sure she gets there and immediately knocks him out. Mm -hmm. She then kisses the knocked out Hercules again. Why? We don't know, but she does it. <laughs> and she climbs up to Prometheus and takes away the rope that she uses to do it. Mm -hmm. Quite quickly after that, Hercules uh, wakes up. He decides to just climb the rocks up. I guess that the rope wasn't that necessary. And while they're doing that, Gabrielle tells Aeolus Plato's story of the origin of love. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice story. I didn't really like this scene because, I, first of all, Aeolus was really sweaty and I didn't like <laughs> <laughs> that's all i could think about is like gabriel is stroking his hair and the hair is really sweaty <laughs> unlike my toaster and vacuum cleaner boyfriends that are always dry <laughs> so yeah i was bothered by that i, I, was... I always had the nerve <laughs> of experiencing bodily function while dying. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> Look, there are some characters that are pretty hot while d almost dying. Xena, for example. True, true. Um, but I also didn't get why Gabrielle and Iolas are so close all of a sudden. Like, they behave as if they're a an old married couple. It's really weird. Yeah, like, why, though? Like, the story itself, uh, which is about people having two heads and four legs and then the gods tearing them apart, and then each person goes around searching for the other half of his soul. And it was really interesting to me while I was watching it because it seems at that moment, or it maybe it seems to Gabrielle at that moment, that she is talking about maybe her and I Iolas because there's some spark there. But we, as the audience, of course, know that she's talking about her and Xena. Like, it's obvious who is the other half to her soul, right? Yeah, but generally, that plotline is so sudden mm -hmm. and makes so little sense. I, yeah. I don't understand what, what happened there. So then we cut to Prometheus, who has a bunch of giant-ass eggs near him. Like, they're taller than Xena, that's how big they are. And then we find out that this is actually how random attackers get hatched. <laughs> what? I love that they get hatched in full armor, but also that makes yes! sense why they are so stupid. They're not completely human, they're just... I guess, and that's why they can't talk? Yeah, like human ducklings 
that fight. That's it. So weird. So Hercules gets there and he fights the random attackers. And Xena is about to go free Prometheus, but a giant bird, I assume it's rock, mm-hmm. uh, grabs her and flies away. <laughs> so Xena ties a rope around rock's foot and then falls out of its grip while holding the other end of the rope. And then they fly over the mountains together for a bit. The CGI there is really really rough (laughs) i loved it so much you know how we told you uh sometimes that xena is low budget but they managed to do a lot with with little not here (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so bad it's so bad but on the other hand it's great because we're living in like 2023 as far as i remember and like there are a lot of cool cgi things that could be done now but when can you see a badly drawn half puppet half cgi bird that you can fly like it's it's really it's like a school project level of bad and it's awesome and wonderful and that's one of the things that i adore about xena warrior princess series oh <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> so Xena manages to use a nearby mountain to somersault off of it and then up and onto the giant bird. She then pierces the bird's neck with a sword and throws the magic sword down to Hercules who uses a rock to deflect the sword and it land look this i I'm, I'm literally describing what happened xena pierces the bird's neck throws the magic sword down to hercules who uses the rock to deflect the sword and it lands perfectly to break prometheus's chains that's how it happened uh Xena jumps off of the bird and then Hercules catches her saying nice of you to drop in it's even more awkward when Herc tries to be funny my refrigerator is funnier (laughs) (laughs) so Prometheus is free so the fire comes back and Aeolus isn't dead yay uh, we then cut to Gabrielle treating Iolus's wound somewhere in, in the open field. And she's spacing out because he's like, um, you've been there for a while. I think that's enough. <laughs> Gabrielle then asks Iolus whether he heard the story that she told him uh, when he was real sweaty and dying. <laughs> <laughs> and he says no. And then Iolus kisses her because of reasons. Yeah, yeah, I I agree that this particular plot line is unnecessary and very rushed. Like I could believe that there may be something between Gabrielle and Iolas. Like there are a lot of random hetero romances in the first seasons. But I here it's not not believable at all. So at least Hercules and Xena 
had a prior love story. So I think that one of the producers was like, oh, and then they can all go on a double date together. Wouldn't that be swell? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's set Gabrielle up with Iolas. Sure, sure. That's that's a thing. It's it's so uncalled for. <laughs> and then Xena and Hercules say goodbye to each other and they kiss again. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, we just have to bear it. And then the episode ends, ending our misery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Alice, how many chakrams do you give it? I mean, even though we have Hercules here, who is less charming than a number of kitchen appliances, um, I would still give this episode maybe a six, because, I don't know, the, the plot ridiculous as it is is gripping and entertaining this threat of oh who's gonna die is interesting i love xena and her being sneaky and trying to get the sword so yeah i for me it's a six i don't know it has to be a five for me it's i think there I think I have to take off a lot for, for all the all the kisses and having to endure looking at Kevin Sorbo. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. There were some some okay moments, but honestly, I need to be compensated for my suffering. Five. <laughs> okay, okay. That's fair. But Guess what? Uh, next time we're reviewing episode nine, and there is going to be no Hercules or Kevin Sorbo in it. Yay! <laughs> Rejoice! But this concludes our discussion of episode eight, Prometheus. We'll see you next time to talk about episode nine. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.